0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. My apologies for the delay this week. I'm back in Accra. You would think that I traveled for like a week or more. I'm having re entry readjustment issues. I very much enjoyed being in solitude in the middle of the national forest and just having plenty of downtime and then also you know having an all inclusive where you know I'm being served three meals a day at certain times I like the schedule but coming back to Accra it's very (laughs) I used to do this thing in my 20s where I wouldn't leave New York for more than three or four days because everything in the city moves so fast and if you missed a week or a weekend especially you missed a lot that's kind of how I feel about being here I got back on Saturday night and I had two brunches and a movie night on Sunday. I was catching up with one of my really good friends. She just finished her first book and I wanted to celebrate with her. So we had a brunch. And then another friend who's visiting from the States, she's producing a film in Ghana. And so we connected. And so we had a late brunch after the first brunch. And then she got back to where she's staying with um, some friends, some actor friends. And she was like, hey, they're doing movie night. Do you want to come join us? And also, more important, is the liquor store downstairs from you open? Because we ain't got nothing and we need stuff. And I was like, I got you. So I picked up some bottles and went to join them. We got halfway through Nope and everybody had fallen asleep. Did it end well? Because I'll never go back and watch it. I found it very not entertaining. I just couldn't get into it. I was like, Jordan Peele, like you did really great with Get Out. Us didn't really do it for me. Or was it them? The one with Lupita, that didn't really do it for me. And in this one, you know how I feel about Blue Blanket. And I love Kiki Palmer. And still, nope. And you know, I love to support black excellence. I love to support black projects. Like, I root for everybody black, like Issa said. Nope. I want him to win. But that film? Nope. But yeah, like, I've just been like, my sleep patterns are off. Like, it's weird because it wasn't even a time difference where I was. I don't know what's going on. I've been trying to figure out my travel schedule for the next few months. I'm running into, I don't think it's developing country issues. I think it's bringing American expectations to Africa. And it's like, if you wanted what's in America, you should have stayed in America. I'm having uncomfortable moments um, with these travel schedules. To fly from Ghana to Senegal which looks really close on a map. It's like three or four countries over, but it's really like a six hour flight because Africa, the way it looks on a map is actually much smaller than what it is in, in actual scope. There's a whole body of research about why Africa looks so small on a map because really on a proper map for scale, Africa is twice the size that it appears on your standard map. That's not the point. Africa as a continent Although these countries are all very close together, the same way that like the states in America or even Europe is probably a better example because at least the states in America are all one country. But Europe is a is a bunch of different countries very close together, but they have a coordinated aviation system where it's easy, relatively, to get from country to country, if not by plane, then by train. Africa has no such thing. So... Getting to Senegal, which is still on the west coast of Africa, is $1,500 round trip from Accra, as opposed to when I first started coming to Ghana, it was like 2200 round trip from L.A. with the layover in Amsterdam to get to Ghana. I was like, why is it so much to get to Senegal? That said, if I go to Abidjan, which is a former French colony, I stay for a week And then fly from Abidjan to Senegal and then Senegal back to Accra, it's $900 for the three flights as opposed to $1,500 for the round trip. It makes no sense. One of my friends explained it to me because we were talking about the death of the queen. And she was like, oh, no, this is a legacy of colonialism. She was like, the countries that were colonized by the French work in tandem with each other. The countries that were colonized by the British kind of work in tandem with each other but there's not a lot of overlap so I wanted to go to Abidjan and Senegal I was going to do them as separate trips but I'm just going to run off for two weeks um I was also trying to figure out how to get to Tanzania and Zanzibar that was a whole ordeal 40 hours and like two to three layovers when I first started looking and I was like you've got to be kidding me so then I figured that like I have to fly to Nairobi And then you can get to Tanzania and Zanzibar on direct flights from there. Otherwise, I would have to go to Ethiopia and have like a 20 hour layover there. And I was like, this is too much. So I'm figuring it out. But I thought it could be something that I just plop into Google Flights and, you know, it it all comes up relatively easy. No, 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 no. And then there's airlines that exist that don't pop up on Google Flights. When I was trying to book via Google Flights, they wanted to take me from Kenya to Tanzania. They wanted to take me to Ethiopia, which is north of Kenya, Kenya for like a 12 hour layover and then take me back down to Tanzania when literally Kenya and Tanzania are next door to each other. It makes no sense. I was like, uh, what are we doing with Pan-Africanism? Are we still working on that? Like, are we still trying to do like, you know, a United Countries of Africa? Because it's still necessary. I, need, I just need a governing body to, to work out aviation. How can I help? I just have to figure out other ways. I have to be creative in my thinking. That's the biggest thing that I've learned in the last month that I've been here. I always have like a plan B and C. And then you just have to expand. There's the easy way to get things done. And then there's the way that they're going to get done. And you just have to figure out like how to get it done. That's it. But other than that, everything is going swimmingly well. Moving to Ghana is probably, you know, I mean, I'm only like a month and change in. September 11th was actually my one month. Can't really call it anniversary because Anna means year, but but whatever. It's my month in Ghana. And I already think that this is probably the best decision I've ever made for my life. Which people told me that when I was like going back and forth, like, am I getting on this plane? Is this going to happen? Am I actually getting on this plane? Um, And everyone who was already here was like, if you do nothing else, just get on the plane. Everything will work itself out from there. And it has. I've been an emotional mess for the last couple. I mean, probably years, (laughs) but more so than usual. I'm about to be dehydrated off of like the good black news that's happening in the world right now. It started with damn Ariel. Ariel. I wanna call her Halle Berry so bad because it just rolls off the tongue. Hallie Bailey. Little sister to Chloe Bailey, but the Halle Bailey in her own right. I was worried about her for a little bit. Chloe and Halle. They were like a duo. They came as a pair and Chloe branched off and did her own thing. Chloe has created a name and buzz and image for herself, whether you like it or not. But Chloe has had this astronomical rise where her her singles are doing really well she's performing at all the award shows like she's giving 150 percent on the stage and this is nothing that Hallie has ever expressed in any way but I was just a little concerned that Hallie was being I don't know if overlooked is the right word but left behind like you're part of a pair and then like you and your sister not even like your you know your bandmate but you and your sister go separate ways musically And then you don't have like a thing. And this little mermaid thing has been in the works for a really long time. COVID threw it off for like a good 18 months. But I was a little worried about Hallie not having her own thing and getting a little lost in her sister's shadow. Um, And Hallie is so incredibly talented. She can sing her ass off too. She has a different image from her sister. It's not as bold per se, But they they are both mega, mega talented. So I was just a little worried about Halle. But this trailer for The Little Mermaid dropped. The the one Disney released and then there's a longer version that I think somebody bootlegged and now it's all over the place. Um, But the official one just has Halle singing a snippet of the most famous Little Mermaid song. I can't remember the name of the song forever. But she looks so pretty and she sounds... Like an angel. she has the face of an angel and the voice of one. The little mermaid came out. I want to say I was probably a teenager when it came out. Like I was beyond like the the core Disney demo. I also remember it being like such a phenomenon, but I didn't really get like really into a Disney princess where I felt like a a connection until the black one. Tiana, and I was like a good 30. I remember I was still working at Essence and I got into a screening for it. Like I called in favors to go see a, a Disney film as a whole 30 year old woman and sat in the theater and boohoo about a black princess. Also, well into my 30s, I was a good 36 when I went to Disney and met Princess Tiana in person. And mind you, this is just a, a beautiful black woman in a, in a ball gown standing in the princess room. And it's a time visit for people to go and meet her. I walked in and saw that black woman dressed up like a princess and lost it. I mean, full boo-hoo cried onto this woman's shoulder like I was a five-year-old seeing a a, a real-life princess for the first time. Representation matters at all ages. It matters. And she didn't seem shocked or or. Or thrown off or, or anything by like this grown ass woman crying on her shoulder. I got the sense that I wasn't the first to do it and probably wouldn't be the last. She wasn't thrown off in the least bit. And I was like, oh yeah, she sees this on a regular basis like grown ass women crying over a black Disney princess. I saw the commercial for Halle Bailey as, as, as Ariel. I sat on my couch. I'm about to cry again now just thinking about it. I sat on my couch and cried big fat tears. Looking at that commercial because of the representation. I'm a whole 43 years old crying about Halle Bailey and how beautiful she looks and how beautiful she sounds. And that she is a Disney princess. That there's this mass market thing and this little black girl, young black woman, because she's like in her early 20s. It, it it moves me. And then I cry every time I see those videos. People have been recording their black daughters watching the Little Mermaid trailer for the first time. And there's been a range of reactions from like black girls being like, she's black. I cried for that, cause that's exactly what I did. There's another little girl who's probably like three or four, this one's viral too. And she was like, she's brown, she's brown, she's brown. And then these racist folks have like lost their goddamn minds. They're like, the Little Mermaid shouldn't be black. It's a mermaid. It's a fictional creature. The half woman, half fish is not what jumps the shark for you. It's, it's the melanin, the, the blackness, the just enough to be brown melanin that she does embodied has pushed these racist folks over the edge. Half woman, half fish, mine can be wrapped around black half woman, half fish. No, no, the line is drawn. They're like, the cartoon was white. I don't understand the source material. She's white. Why do we have to make her black? This wokeness has gone too far and it's ruining the film. I was like, do you understand how racist you have to be to think that because you made a character black, now it's ruined? That, that's your level of racism. You made a fictional character black and now I don't want to see it because the person's black. I can't ID. Welcome to what melanated folk have felt their entire fucking lives. Welcome to my world. I've watched countless fucking films with all white casts and been able to find the humanity and been able to find a way to relate. I love Sex in the City. I don't know that there was a black woman for the entire run of the TV show. They gave us a film and they gave us Jennifer Hudson, is essentially and I love Jennifer Hudson. I have nothing against Jennifer Hudson, but her role was a glorified mammy. But somehow, for all the seasons of the show. I was able to find some way to relate, to Carrie especially, despite their whiteness. White people, or these racists at least, cannot do that. And they swear up and down, I'm not racist. It's just, you know, the character is supposed to be white, so why would you make the character black? It's a cartoon. The source material was a white woman with red hair. Why, why is she black? You know what? You know what? I'm willing to give folks, as much as I love Halle Bailey. As, as amazing as I think she is in The Little Mermaid. I will gladly give you a white Ariel when when you give me a black Jesus. I want to direct everyone to Revelation one thirteen 13 through 15. It is the passage in the Holy Bible where Jesus is described as having hair like wool and skin, depending on the version that you read. It's either skin like brass or... Or skin like burnished bronze. How the fuck you got a white man with stringy hair out of that description is beyond me. If we want to stick to the source material. Take your white Ariel and go. But give me my brown Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus is black. I'm saying Jesus for sure ain't white. Burnished bronze. Skin like brass. Ain't no kind of white man I've ever seen. Give me brown Jesus. Oh, you don't want to do that. Oh, you don't want to do that. Why does color matter? It's about Jesus. It's about our Savior. Color doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter. Color doesn't matter. If it doesn't matter about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it, it damn sure doesn't matter about a cartoon mermaid. People get on my goddamn nerves. Torturing that little angel faced woman. I want to call her a girl so bad because she's niece age, but I'm trying to respect her womanhood because she is grown. Ain't done nothing to nobody. Don't say nothing crazy. Don't be in people's business. Don't have like sideways commentary. All she does is show up and look cute and do her job and sing with the voice of an angel. Ah. And folks want to come for her. Stop it. Stop it. I thought I was going to dehydrate myself last night. The Emmys were on and I wasn't able to watch in real time. I I have a site here where I can watch anything. On any network live, when a lot of people tuned into the site for something like the Emmys, it buffers a lot. So I missed a bunch of stuff. So I didn't see Cheryl Lee Ralph actually win. I saw people talking about it on Instagram. And then I was like, wait, wait, what? What happened? What happened? And then people started sending me clips, which thank you. I lost it. I started following this journey when Cheryl Lee Ralph got the call that she'd been nominated. She was at her house and her kids were at the house with her and they filmed her receiving the phone call and they said in the caption that she'd never been nominated for an Emmy. And I was like, wait, Cheryl Lee Ralph doesn't have an Emmy? Cheryl Lee Ralph has been around forever. The resume has quantity and it is of quality. So I knew she was up for one for Abbott Elementary. I saw the interview that Quinta Brunson did. She's the creator of Abbott Elementary. And also the, he got money. That clip from Vine. Now she has a whole network show that she created and stars in. But she said that she specifically wrote this character because she wanted Cheryl Lee Ralph to get an Emmy. Which I thought, that's a lovely thing to say. That's a beautiful way to show up and support one of your icons. I thought it was talk. Quinta delivered because Cheryl Lee Ralph won a whole Emmy last night. The video of her accepting her award and singing is what everyone that I've seen has been reacting to or sharing on social media. When I woke up this morning, when I was scrolling my timeline, I think every other person had posted the clip of Cheryl Lee Ralph winning her, her Emmy. What got me oh my God, I'm tearing up. You know, I love to cry, but still, but I'm tearing up just talking about it. Cheryl Lee Ralph, they called her name to say she won. And then the camera panned to her table and she wouldn't get up. I wouldn't even say wouldn't. She couldn't. Her One of her co-stars, Everybody Hates Chris. I have no idea what that man's name is in real life. I just remember the show. But he was trying to help her get up. And I think her husband was trying to help her get up. And then some other people at the table were like, come on now. Come on now. But she was just stunned. She was just stunned. And I was so happy for her in that moment that her joy was so overwhelming that she could not move. But they got her up and, and, you know, they they got her walking towards the stage. And then she got on stage and she takes the Emmy and she's holding the Emmy, looking at the Emmy like, I can't believe this is an Emmy in my hand. And you can see she's about to lose it. And being the actress that she is, the, the trained thespian on multiple platforms, she pulls herself together and begins to sing. I've met Lee Ralph on a couple occasions for Essence's 40th anniversary back in, I guess it was 2011. There was a big 40th anniversary party in New York. Lee Ralph and I were seated at the same table. And I was like, you know, first, first and foremost, I was like, it's Moesha's mama. And then I was like, dream girls. Because again, the resume is long and vast and varied. Of quantity and quality. She's like the nicest person ever. We had a long conversation about her work um, as an HIV activist and some other things. A few years later, I got an award for Black women in media. And she was also being awarded at that same ceremony. And when she accepted her award, she was on Broadway at the time. I don't remember what show she was in. I remember her thanking the organizer for moving her award up. I think she was, like, you know, getting some sort of, like, Legends Award. But they had to move her award up because she had to get to the theater because she was performing. I don't remember what show it was, though. But when she accepted her award, she sang before she spoke. The same song that she did at the Emmys. But she sang then, and then she accepted her award. She is a a lovely and humble and gracious woman. There are few people equally as deserving, but no one more deserving Than her winning that Emmy. I was so happy for her. And then she gave the speech. About basically perseverance. What did she say? She said quote. To everyone who has ever. Ever had a dream. And thought your dream wasn't. Wouldn't come true. I am here to tell you. That this. Is what believing. Looks like. That hit me. I am living my wildest dream right now. So I'm not even receiving this as someone who, who wants something that they haven't gotten yet. Like, I've, I, I wanted something and, and I have it. It's fucking amazing. Um, but to just hear her put truth to the feeling that I'm feeling. And also, I remember walking up and down the hills in my parents' neighborhood listening to It's Turning Around for Me. And the chorus of the song is, it won't always be like this. It's turning around for me. And I remember wishing, wanting, hoping, willing for my life to turn around because I was in such a bad place. And there are not many days here in Ghana that I don't recognize that it turned around for me. It took a while. It took a college degree's worth of time for it to fully turn around for me. And I'm very, very thankful. I made a little joke when I when I wrote about it on Instagram um, and I said, you know, I'm laying here crying and I'm, I'm so goo gobs happy for her. And I said, you know, also, may God continue to bless the Quinta because Cheryl Lee Ralph gave a gave a shout out to Quinta, who created the show. Fifteen minutes later, Quinta won an Emmy. So I boohooed all over again. Now, that one, I'm not where I want to be in that respect. We were introduced to Quinta where I was introduced I don't know if people knew her before that I was introduced to Quinta through viral clips on the internet that's what she was known for and so now to see her with a hit show on a network and then win an Emmy for it she ain't where she was four years ago either I'm still trying to get the show off the ground I'm not in Emmy territory I got the film done. I got my EP credit from a film based on my book. That was really important. But I really want a scripted series. So to see Quinta go from you know, like the girl on Vine. We didn't know her name yet. And then see her get an Emmy and look fabulous while doing it. Despite Jimmy Kimmel laying on the goddamn floor. I was like, you don't get up off that goddamn floor and let this black woman have her moment. But I'm really, really happy for her too. I'm happy for Lizzo. Who else? There was somebody else. Zendaya. This isn't her first Emmy. But I did read she's a black first. Zendaya joins Bill Cosby as the only black actors to win multiple Emmys and a leading role in a drama series. Cosby won in 1966, 67 and 68 for I Spy. Zendaya has won back to back for Euphoria. Congratulations to her. Um, I have never seen an episode of Euphoria. Everyone talks about how amazing it is. I just I've never watched it. But I love Zendaya. I want her to win all the things. Continue to win all the things. Also congratulations. I want to call this man Roth Daniel. I mean technically it's one of his names, Gerard Carmichael. I saw pictures of him on the red carpet. He didn't wear no shirt. He put on some pants and a and a fur. He was like this is diddy's fur from like some video and I was like, "Sir, you're an actor. You're a comedian. You're not a rapper. Why are you dressed like a rapper?" He did have nice abs though. I'll give him that. He has been working out. If you're going to walk around shirtless, it's it's a good idea to also be in the gym. He he did achieve that. But he won an Emmy for Roth Daniel. So, congratulations to uh, Roth Daniel. Shit, I'm not calling him Gerard Carmichael. I'm calling him Roth Daniel. It's one of his names. It's not wrong. Roth Daniel. What else is going on in the world? Oh, last week, in the middle of the podcast, I'm like in the middle of, of literally the damn forest recording a podcast episode, and the news comes in that Queen Elizabeth II has died after a 70-year reign over Great Britain. I handled it the best that I could in the moment. I was really like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? I did have the presence of mind to say at the end of it, like I may add more commentary as information comes in, especially about the colonialism part. I realized in the 72 hours after Queen Elizabeth died, how very limited... My education on world history was and has been. I like to think like, you know, I I know a little something like I read a lot. I travel as often as I can. I I try to, you know, pay attention to different perspectives. Um, But some shit like you just don't know what you don't know. So I had a, a I think a fairly decent understanding of colonization I was under the impression at one point that, you know, like slavery is by far worse than colonization. Like, you know, you can't compare the two. And someone was like, actually, you can. Because slavery is I kidnapped you from your house versus colonization is I invaded your house. Which one do you want? But my understanding of colonization was. And I'm not saying this isn't bad. I'm acknowledging like this is bad. Um, I'm going to name some things that are kind of worse that I was like, what the fuck? My understanding with colonization was white folks moved into other people's countries and robbed them of their resources. There's no reason that Africa, especially the West coast of Africa shouldn't look like Dubai. There's no reason, especially the West coast of Africa and South Africa too should not be flooded with money. There's oil, there's gold, there's diamonds, there's, Whatever metal is used to power cell phones and new cars, there's no reason Africa should not be rolling in dough. The reason they're not in large part. I mean, there's many factors, but the largest part of it is colonialism. You have white folks come in here and take the lion's share of the resources and offer you pennies in exchange. I was reading about the crown jewels. I don't remember the name of the diamond, but it's worth $400 was It was broken into different pieces and spread apart through Queen Elizabeth's crown collection. But there's a diamond that's worth $400 Do you know what that could do for South Africa's economy? Just that one diamond. What if Africa controlled its oil? What if Africa controlled its diamond mines? What if Africa controlled its gold? Or whatever this metal is that's powering all the cars and cell phones. What if Africa controlled all that? It'd be Wakanda or Dubai, but it's not because you have places like Great Britain. They came in and robbed people of their shit, not just of their resources, but also of their culture. One of the reasons I can move to Ghana and frolic so easily is because they speak English. This ain't the original language of this country. The beginning of this episode, I'm talking about, oh, I want to go to Kenya. And then I want to go to Tanzania. And then I want to go to Zanzibar. They all speak English. Want to know why? Same reason. Because they were also colonized by the British. It's a lot of places that were. Somebody put together a map of all the places that were still colonized by the British during Queen Elizabeth's rule. It was like a list of at least 50 places. I was like, are you kidding me? A bunch of places got their independence in my lifetime. We're talking about like 1986. People were still getting out from under British rule. I had that understanding of colonization. I was thinking of it as culture and resources. Queen Elizabeth dies. Twitter Somebody referred to it as seasoned food Twitter and also leg washing Twitter. So Twitter of Melanin, essentially. We're dragging the fuck out of Queen Elizabeth, like glad she was dead, and, and getting real history channel with dates and facts of atrocities committed by the British Empire. Did she actually do all of these things? Was she signing bills? No. Did she denounce any of the shit? No. Did she apologize for any of the shit? No. Did she continue to enjoy the trillions of wealth that were gained by robbing and raping these other countries of their resources? Did she give the money back? No. Did she spend it? Yes. Did she stunt them jewels? Absolutely. I'm thinking that's what colonialism is. Oh, an Irish Twitter. They don't season their food and they may or may not wash their legs, but they drag the fuck out of the queen. I was like, why are the Irish people so mad? I saw a stadium full of Irish people singing Lizzie's in a Box, celebrating the death of the queen. Instead of being like, these people have no souls. How could they say these things about a woman that just died? What they mad about? I just know from being black, when groups of people get mad about something, when everybody's outraged and really pissed off, some crazy shit happened. I don't know the full details of what happened in Ireland. I realized in the 72 hours after the queen died, my world his- my understanding of world history is terrible. And I need to go read some more books or at least watch some documentaries. But I was like, what the Irish so mad about? One of the things I'd heard about the potato famine in Ireland and how there was just no food. My understanding of the potato famine in Ireland was that it was an environmental issue. I'm learning reading fucking Twitter and then having to cross Google everything because I'm like, "Nah, that couldn't have happened. You know, the England exported food from Ireland during the potato famine. There wasn't a lack of food. There was enough food to feed starving people. England was exporting food from starving people during the famine. You killed them people. That's just the tip of the iceberg. No wonder thousands of people in a stadium celebrating your death. That's not the only time. There was another famine in India. I knew about that too. I thought it was the same thing. I thought it was an environmental issue. There was food in India. They could have fed all them people. They let them starve. It's not even like, oh, there's no food and we're not sending food. So you figure it out. There was food in India. They exported the food. Made them people starve. How you take food out of a country of starving people. It's unconscionable. That's immoral. That's unethical. But that's what they did. 72 hours after the queen died. I never heard this shit before in my life. I'm reading about concentration camps in Kenya. They were like, yeah, a million and a half people died. I was like, in, you mean in Germany? No. In Kenya. I'm sorry. What? I saw it on Twitter. I was like, no, there's no way in hell. Googled that shit. And there were pictures, pictures of concentration camps in Kenya. 1.5 million people died in concentration camps run by the British Empire. What? I never heard a lick of this in school. I feel like I have these blanks in my My knowledge, because I, you know, again, like I read, I watch TV, I watch documentaries, like I talk to people. I thought I knew more, but I didn't even know to look for these things. And let me ask you this. If you are a well-informed person and you know of books or documentaries from credible sources that I can read To better educate myself about colonialism, particularly the effects of it in Africa. I'm very, very interested in that. If you can recommend anything for me to read, I would be most thankful. And I'm happy to share the recommendations here so that other people who are interested in being better informed can be informed as well. Last but not least, I want to talk about two really good shows. When I got back from Safari, I watched probably like 10 hours worth of TV In one night, I wanted to catch up on the new episode of Queen Sugar, which it didn't hold my attention. And it was weird because remember last episode, we talked about the actress who plays Charlie and how she put up this Instagram post about how she didn't participate in season seven, the final season of Queen Sugar. And then I read a piece from Variety that was like, yeah, Charlie appears via FaceTime and she's mentioned But she's not in the series. And I was like. What is this show going to be without Charlie? She's a very necessary element. So I watched the first episode. One, Charlie's in it. And I was like. Wait. I thought you weren't in it. But but there you are on screen in it. Even though Variety said you weren't in it. And even though you said you weren't in it. But now you're in it. It was very brief. But she's on the screen nonetheless. The other part. It wasn't that good. And I love Queen Sugar. I, I really enjoyed the show, but this new episode, like I, I kept doing other things. Like I got up and started cleaning my kitchen because it just wasn't holding my attention. This is, no, this is ungood. This is very ungood. I don't think they're going to GOT the last season, but I'm like, what do you do? How do you make it work when one of the main characters, one of the more likable characters from your show, is now gone in the final season? Like, how do you wrap that up in a bow? Like the things that are going on with Ralph Angel and Darla and, and Nova and this new boo and Vi and Hollywood and even the new baby. Although that new baby is absolutely gorgeous. That is a gorgeous baby. But I just, I didn't care. I also, and I know I've said this a million times, like I'm not supposed to be watching it because Mike Tyson doesn't approve of it. But Mike on Hulu, Travante is killing that role. Oh my God, he is killing it. But more important. I think there's two more episodes of it left. Hulu airs it. I don't even know what night it comes on because I just watched it on my bootleg site. They released two episodes at a time on Hulu. So I think this was five and six that aired most recently. Number five was about Desiree Washington. If you remember that story, it was the young woman who accused Mike Tyson of raping her. When she was an 18-year-old beauty pageant contestant. 18. He was still young, too. He might have been 25, 26 at the time. But up until this episode, Mike Tyson's story has largely been told from Mike Tyson's perspective. But this specific episode tells the story from the perspective of the rape survivor. And they're very careful to use exact lines from the trial transcripts or an interview. She only did one. I might've been like 11, 12, 13 at the time that that happened. And so I didn't fully grasp the story. I remember at the time being at the salon with my mother and the other women getting their beauty services and them talking about Desiree and none of them, my mom included, being on her side. And the idea was, well, what was she doing going up to his room at 2 a.m.? And then it was, he couldn't have raped her because black men don't have sex with women on their periods. I also remember just the general conversation about the trial. And I don't remember the details, but watching the show, it brought a lot of it back about how people used to talk about Mike Tyson like he was this, this black brute stereotype. He was dumb, dumb. He was this monster. He was ferocious. He was angry. He was an animal. And even watching the depiction of the trial, his own defense lawyer isn't, isn't even really denying that Tyson raped Deseret. His defense is, well, everyone knows who Mike Tyson is. And that he's, you know, a brute. And so what did she expect? It's not even like, well, no, he didn't do it and he would never because he's not that kind of guy. It's no, he's he's a brute and he's vile and he's a monster and he has no self-control and she should have known. And so it's on her for going up to his room and for getting raped. And then there's a scene with Louis Farrakhan defending Mike Tyson using almost the exact same language and it's it sounds almost like when I watched the scene I was taking notes and I scribbled Louis Farrakhan is the original Kevin Samuels all the language is the same all that shit Kevin Samuels said almost direct quotes of how Louis Farrakhan spoke about Desiree Washington during the Mike Tyson rape trial Everything was her fault. It was very much like she was a gold digger. Why would she go to his room? It it was never like, why would he rape her? The idea that an 18 year old girl who just graduated from high school is some gold digging mastermind setting out to take advantage of the heavyweight champion of the world. It's like, oh, she's a gold digger. But it was every excuse in the book to to justify him raping her. Mike Tyson said, like, no, I didn't rape her. He was like, I came at her and said, I want to fuck you. And then she came up to the room. So that was the consent. And he said it almost just that crass, too. But everyone else, Mike Tyson's own defense lawyer, the media, Farrakhan, everyone was just so against this 18-year-old girl. Until I watched this episode on Saturday, I didn't realize Desiree Washington was 18. I thought she was much older. They said she was doing it for the money. Hulu pointed out at the end of the episode, she never filed a civil suit. She did the interview with Barbara Walters, her and her lawyer. And after that, she's disappeared from public life. She's never done another interview. She's never tried to get paid off of it. It wasn't about the money. She wasn't a gold digger. She really was raped by Mike Tyson and, and just wanted justice. Another interesting tidbit, which I had no idea about, it changed my entire perspective on her know Maya Angelou went to see Mike Tyson in jail when he was in jail for raping Desiree Washington Maya Angelou went to jail to see him and took pictures I was like huh I saw I saw this depicted on the screen I said there's no way in fucking hell this happened Hulu has lost their goddamn mind saying Mike saying Maya Angelou went to jail to see Mike Tyson get the fuck out I get on my phone and google it's pictures of him sitting up in a jail yard. Maya Angelou. Are you kidding me? You're like the, the iconic spokesperson as the voice of black women. Like you are a mouthpiece for black women. You are revered for your love, support, and dedication for black women. And you were sitting up in jail with Mike Tyson while he was serving time for rape. I'm real good for there's there's grace for those that seek it. You you could give somebody grace without going to visit their ass to the jail and taking a fucking selfie. I was so disappointed to read that. i said in previous episodes, I think in talking about the Mike Tyson story, too, I said I would love to see the same way that the New York Times went and, and did a retrospective on how Britney Spears was treated when she was suffering from from mental illness or how Janet Jackson was treated when Justin Timberlake was the active party in snatching her her the covering of her breast off at the Super Bowl, how Janet gets punished for having the breast and Justin walks scot free even though he's the one that exposed the breast never made sense, but I said Robin Gibbons, it would be interesting to see a retrospective and to see. That interview, her her marriage to Mike Tyson, and and specifically that very famous interview with Barbara Walters, where she was and is to this day treated like the Antichrist because of that interview where she talked about, you know, his abuse and and mental health issues and things that she has suffered through in their marriage. I looked at the Hulu depiction of it and then I went and pulled it up on YouTube and I was like, "It, it looks like a cry for help, but she was thrown under the bus and then, you know, it backed up over her ass m- many times. I would love to see how that scenario was viewed through a, a 2022 lens. The same thing with Desiree Washington. Like, I I felt really bad for her after I watched that episode. Just to put, like, even in the context of the day, you thought this guy was a black brute. Ignorant, violent, a monster. All of these stereotypes about black men that he played into, but that's who you chose to defend over a black woman with no record of any kind, a beauty pageant contestant, poised, pretty, from a good home, on her way to college. Like all the things that, you, that black women are told that they are supposed to be in order to be trusted, to be believable, um, to be credible, she was. You chose the guy who depicted himself as a monster, who people said was a monster. You chose him over her. And it wasn't even like, no, he would never do it. It was like, well, he's a monster, and everyone knows it. What else did you expect? Yeah, I feel really bad for her. I also felt really bad for her on some... Because at the end of the Hulu episode, like I said, they noted that she's she's removed herself from public life. That she hasn't given any interviews, that that she hasn't given any additional interviews. Um, I wondered how she felt and if she was okay with this story being brought up again, what, like 25, 30 years later? Like you try to move on from something. I said the same thing about Robin Gibbons. Like something happens, there's an event in your life. This happens, she was raped when she was 18. Robin Gibbons was was with Mike Tyson when she was, what, 21, 22, 23? She's like 50-something now. And this story just will not go away. It follows her for life. That sucks. That really sucks. I feel really bad for both of them. Mike Tyson? Not so much. Acknowledged on previous episodes, he is a much different person now than he was back then. He has very clearly done self-work not to be who he was. And I acknowledge it. I respect it. I'm willing to give him grace after 30 years. I would completely understand if Desiree Washington and Robin Givens never did. That's the episode for this week. We will be back on Friday. It's not everything, but it's some things. Okay, bye.